Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 11. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 11. We are continuing with our Gospel Record of Mark, walking with Jesus Christ, watching Jesus Christ as the perfect servant, the man of action, understanding the principle and the theme of this year is that with God, all things are possible. And as we're walking with Jesus, we're now entered into what we call the Passion Week. The Passion Week is the last week of Jesus Christ earthly ministry before he goes to the cross. And we've already walked with him as he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We've walked with him the second day when he chased out the money changers from the temple. And now we arrive to the next day. And we find it recorded in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 11. The gospel record of Mark in chapter number 11. And let's pick it up starting at verse number 20. The gospel record of Mark chapter 11 and verse number 20, the word of God says this. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses." And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priest and the scribes and the elders, and say unto him, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you, one question and answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say, why then did ye not believe him? But if we shall say of men, 
They feared the people, for all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. And if in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that Jesus Christ says of God in the book of Mark chapter 11, the gospel record of Mark chapter 11, and notice with me in verse number 22. Mark 11 and verse 22, notice the phrase, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this message here about have faith in God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that we can trust you and we can trust your word. That neither your word nor your character can ever change. You are reliable. You are trustworthy. You are dependable. And so as we come up to you today, we trust you to do your work that you promised. You never promised to bless my preaching, but you promised to bless your word. And so we're asking that your word would be magnified, it would be honored, it would be understood so we could have faith in you. I'm asking that you would encourage our faith in you and that it would be resultant in our prayers. Not only us praying more, but our prayers being answered because of our faith in you. Again, I beg of you to fill me with your Holy Spirit tonight in a message this important to the life of our church. I need you. Do something supernatural tonight. Do something only that your Holy Spirit can do tonight. And I trust by faith that you will do that. And in your name we pray. Amen. As we come up to the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 11, we now come to the next day. We started off on Sunday where Jesus made his triumphant entry. We saw on Monday that Jesus Christ chased out the money changers. Now we're on Tuesday, March 28th of AD 30. Again, I'm giving you the historical date because this is an historical event. This isn't just something that was written down. This isn't a fantasy book. This is history. This event occurred. And Jesus Christ is teaching and working with his disciples and with this principle here of have faith in God. Now, if we're going to have faith in God, there's some things we're going to trust God with. The very first thing we want to remember is that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 20. Gospel record of Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. And in the morning... As they, that's Jesus and his disciples, passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now remember that up above in the uh, verses above, happening in the day before, Jesus had went out and saw this fig tree. And it was the time where the fig should at least be growing fruit. And he was hungry, went to go grab something, looked in this tree, and it looked like it was a good tree, a healthy tree. It wasn't dying, it wasn't brown, but it had beautiful big leaves. And he searched through the tree and didn't find a single fig. And so Jesus just cursed it and said, you're done. In fact, what he said is, no man eat of thee hereafter forever. He cursed it and his disciples heard it. So as they're walking out from where they were staying at, as Jesus, his disciples were walking by, Peter and his disciples said, hey, 
Look at that tree. Yesterday it was lush. Yesterday it was full. Yesterday it was, it was a beautiful plant. But in one day's time, it withered away. And one day's time, it's gone. Notice in verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That means even its roots itself had dried up and had shriveled. And the whole thing is lifeless in a matter of 24 hours. Jesus looks or Peter looks at this and he brings it up to Jesus and you could almost imagine him just without words pointing and that, that, look at what he says in verse 21. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursedest, it's withered away. As if Jesus was surprised by that. Jesus, look, you cursed it and look, it's dead. That gives us a good reminder, by the way. That nothing can survive without God's blessing. Nothing can survive without the blessing of the Lord. We need to have the blessing of God upon us. We need to be striving to be right with Him. Because we cannot survive without His blessings. Things can shrivel up in your life. Things can be withdrawn if we don't have the blessing of the Lord. We need God's blessing. We need God's power. But again... Jesus is standing there. His disciples are amazed at the power of God. By the way, as a reminder, this is Jesus' only destructive miracle. The rest of his miracles were to make nature do what he wanted to do. It was to heal those things. It was to create. This was his only destructive miracle. And all he did was withdraw his blessing from it. And it withered away. So Peter says, Jesus, look. Look at the plant. Now Jesus answers in a totally different, it seems like a totally different subject. Peter is like, look at this. And Jesus gives the answer, have faith in God. That almost seems like an observation or a different thing. It didn't seem to match. But what Jesus is trying to say is that God is able to do anything. Have faith in God. And so Jesus uses this to change the subject and take this opportunity to teach his disciples about prayer. Now again, who's the audience? His disciples. The masses aren't there. The scribes aren't there. Jesus is just stepping out of the place where they're staying with his disciples. They look at this plant. It's dried up. Peter points it out. And Jesus says, since we're on the subject, have faith in God. Let me teach you something about prayer. Let me teach you something about miracles. Let me remind you that with God, all things are possible. Notice he begins to teach in verse number 23. For verily, or for truly, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall have no doubt in his heart. Thou shalt believe those things which he saith come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now this is a big deal. Now I don't know how many of you in your minds, childlike minds, childlike faith, have overlooked at a mountain and said, is that true? Can I look at that mountain over there and say, jump in the ocean? Have you ever tried? And when you did that, did you have something in your mind like it's not going to work? 
I'm looking at this big thing. Come on, mountain. Come on. And then we try to have more faith. And you know how we get more faith sometimes, right? We just squunch up our eyes and come on, come on. As if we could will it to happen. Have you ever wanted something so badly from God and wanted a prayer request that you'd tried that? Come on, God. Come on. As if you could like squeeze the faith out of you. I mean, you don't have to raise your hands, but you know, we've done that, right? We're trying to make it work. Come on, mountain, be gone. And it doesn't work. And the Bible says, and none shall doubt it in his heart. Well, there's my problem. Is it because I don't believe? What's he talking about? Is he talking about that if we're super Christians or the Christians we ought to be, that we're just topping mountains and pick them up and put them over here and pick them up? Is, what are we talking about here? We have to understand. Well, it's carrying the idea here that there's an obstacle in your way. Now, remember, in the Roman days when they made Roman roads, they would try to make the roads as straight as possible. Not like... Wisconsin roads or (laughs) that makes a detour for any little thing. There they would have the roads as straight as possible. Then you didn't want to climb up hills or mountains and you didn't want to go down valleys. So they would flatten hills or and they would fill in the valleys and they would get rid of any obstacle. But if you can imagine in your mind that you are going from here to over there and the middle of your path is a mountain or an obstacle That is blocking your path. And you look at this obstacle and you say, I know I need to get to the other side, but this is in the way. I know I have to get past this. What am I to do? This is the mountain that God is telling you. That God can get rid of those obstacles that are in your way that you can't lift up. Have you ever tried to lift a mountain? It's a little bit heavy. It's something that's impossible for you to do. But with God, all things are possible. Do you know that we get in places in our life where we know we're supposed to get from here to there, but there's something in our way. God puts those in our path on purpose. Did you know that? Sometimes he puts them in our path to see what we're going to do about it. To see if we're going to cry, to see if we're going to quit to see if we're going to try to do it ourselves, or if we're going to trust God. There is nothing too big or too monstrous that God cannot get done. And by the way, it's not how much faith you have either. The Bible says in a parallel passage that if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Now the mustard seed in that error uh, part of the world was the smallest thing that people could still see. It's, have you ever had uh, some pepper in your hand? That's how small that seed is. If you were to drop a mustard seed inside of this carpet, you'll never find it again. The vacuum would have to get it. That's pretty small. So here it's not talking about how much faith you have, but it is the object of the faith that you're trusting in. Can you trust God? But the faith you have to have is genuine and not covered in doubt. Do I genuinely believe that God can do this? That's where we have the problem at. Do I believe that God can do this? Yes, I believe that God wants me to be over there. This is in the way. I believe that God can get rid of that obstacle. 
But it's the idea of no doubt. It's the idea of not having covered up. Remember, the Bible is simple. We make things complicated. And the reason why so many of our prayers are not answered is because we've made things complicated. Can God do it? Yes. Can we trust him? Yes. You say it's that simple? It's that simple. Can God do it? Can God work? Again, God will allow these obstacles because he wants us to exercise faith. Then God wants to demonstrate his power. When God moves that obstacle out of the way and you go, wow. God says, that's what I was waiting for, was for you to express it. Now, remember, it's not even our prayers. It is not our prayers that make it work. You know what prayer is? This is going to help you. Prayer is an expression of faith. Meaning that how am I going to display that I have faith that God is going to do it? I'm going to ask him. Sometimes we get lazy and say, well, God knows everything. He knows my need before I can even ask, so why ask? My prayers don't really work. It's because it's not about your prayers. It's all about God. God does the work. Your prayer is an expression of faith. When the Bible says that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not saying that your prayer saves you. It is your way to express your faith in a literal, tangible way. Because I ask, I am showing I have faith in God and I am trusting him. I trusted him for salvation that way. And I could trust him for the big obstacles that are in my way. That God get rid of that obstacle. That thing that's in the way. I could trust him by faith. And he could remove it. And I believe he can. God can do it. God is bigger than any mountain. He is bigger than any obstacle. He is bigger. Will we ask? Notice with me in verse 24 as he continues with this idea. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and ye shall have them. Now we're going to go on and Jesus is going to uh, complete that thought. But this is the idea here. Can you trust God? Remember, it's not how much faith you have. If you're saying, I got faith to move mountains, it's not going to be moved. Because it's not you that does it. It's not your prayers. It's not your faith that does it. It is the object of our faith. It is Jesus. Jesus will get it done. Can you trust Him? Now you say, this is a big ask. It sounds good theologically, but you think of obstacles that we have in the way. Can God do it? Yes! Can they say the obstacle in my path for where I believe God will have me is someone's hard heart? Can God fix that? Yes, He can. That obstacle that is in my way is the lack of finances. That's a big thing. I can't make it happen. I wish we had a money tree, but it doesn't work. Can God handle that? Yes. 
The thing that is holding us back is the lack of laborers. I can't do anything about it. I've tried it. I plead it. Can God get, do it? Yes. If God is the one you're trusting to do this. If you're believing in him. Now again we're going to add something to this in a second. But this is dealing with the idea of simple faith. Can you trust him? Can God do it? And will you trust him? You know sometimes we don't ask God for the big prayers. Because we just feel like he can't do it. We look at the impossible task with our own eyes and it looks so big that we don't even bother. It's impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God can do it. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Can you believe him? He can move the mountains. He can do it. Which brings me to a second thing here, and it's going to tie into prayer. God forgives sins. God forgives sins. Now this is big. This is a continuation of the thought. He is saying, you see that big mountain that's in your way? God can move it and put it away. He can put it so it's never in your way and cast it in the sea. If you trust in Him, if you believe in Him, if you can make it where you don't doubt, if you don't rely on your faith, but you rely on the God of your faith, that is what is going to do it. And in continuation with it, verse 25, and when you stand praying, see we're connecting still praying, notice this, forgive If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your own trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Here is something big that you may have not associated before. Bitterness and unforgiveness take away your faith. Bitterness and unforgiveness take away. Away your faith. What is bitterness? Bitterness comes when you do not forgive someone. The old revivalist like D.L. Moody used to say the number one hindrance to revival is bitterness, unforgiveness. He would often start off the beginning of his campaigns by getting people to forgive one another. He says until we do that, nothing's going to happen. Think about that. As long as people are, have bitterness and unforgiveness, revival will not happen. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. As long as you have an ought against someone, as long as you have bitterness, as long as you have unforgiveness, this will not happen because your faith is going to be tarnished. You're not going to have that pure faith. That's big. Why is that big? Because the number one thing that all of us struggle with, whether you recognize it or not, is unforgiveness and bitterness. You say, are you sure? Yep. Check your Facebook feed for the last three months and you tell me if you don't have something that you're against right now. You tell me if there's something that doesn't just bug the tar out of you. You tell me if there's something after you watch your Facebook feeds that you go back and you just want to grumble and vent out to someone. You tell me. You know what this is exposed? 
we have an ought. You said, I never met the person. Yeah, but it bugs you enough. And it doesn't matter which side of whatever subject we're on. There's enough to go around for everyone. And as long as we have an ought against this person, this movement, this thing, this thing, this thing, we are not going to have the faith. It is going to be tarnished. It's going to be full of doubt. We're not going to be able to trust God. Remember what we said before. Remember what sparked this conversation. The fig tree that had God's blessing removed. It was withered. Jesus has forgiven us of so much. And when we refuse to forgive someone else, his blessing is removed and our faith dries up. You see what Jesus was doing there? He tied in this fig tree to the idea of answering impossible prayers. That as long as you have an ought against a husband, a wife, a parent, a co-worker, a child, the TV, the liberals, the conservatives, the Democrats, this movement, this thing, this thing, this thing. And all that has happened this year has been of God to show us why we haven't seen these big impossible prayers answered. Because every single one of us struggle with this. And until we get that taken care of where we could forgive everyone for what they did. Everyone. Whether they're your... I know that when it's your relative, it is hard to forgive them. You carry that ought with them. But sometimes it's the strangers out there that we don't even think about forgiving. Give you that example. How many of you yesterday, you're watching the news, you're listening to the radio, you're doing your Facebook feed, whatever you get your source, and you cross your mind, maybe I should forgive that person for pulling down this thing or doing this. Right? But instead, we want to squawk about it, and get mad at it, and carry it on. That is unforgiveness. And when we were refusing to forgive someone, when we're letting it bother us, God's blessing is removed and our faith is wilted. And we're not seeing those impossible things prayed. Not because God can't do it. It's because of the qualifications that Jesus said here. And we're not going to have that pure faith. It's going to be corrupted and mixed. And it won't work. Isn't that amazing how Jesus tied it together? And it makes us more cautious that we should be a type of people that are forgiving all the time. Now, again, that's easier said than done because we have some fantastical things going on right now. You ever just want to watch your mind get blow? Just turn on the news in the last couple months and there's always something that will aggravate you. There's nothing goes on and says, I agree with this totally. This is something I want to... Nope, it's not on there. There's enough stuff that even people that you agree with are doing stupid things. And you're like, why? You're ruining everything. 
Isn't it wonderful how the Bible even applies it to today? But we, the Riverview Baptist Church, we need to see impossible things done. We need to see things done that are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We need to trust God with a pure faith, not doubting. But where does that come from? From us on a daily basis, forgiving those yahoos out there. Forgiving those that bother us and learning to forgive them and not letting it bother, not letting it stack off. This is why the major prayers, you may say, well, I'm seeing little prayers answered. That's because of the goodness of God. We're not talking about little prayers now. We're talking about the mountains, the impossible prayers, the things that are blocking you from what God has given you to do. It can be moved. And it's not a problem for God. With men it is impossible. With God it is possible. All things are possible. For our part, we have to have the forgiveness of sins. We have to forgive others because God has forgiven us so much. We are not deserving of anything special. We are horrible, rotten, awful sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. And God forgave us anyways. We should forgive others no matter what they have done. We need to forgive others as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. But that brings me to one more thing that ties into this. That we're talking about with God all things are possible. It says have faith in God. We know that God answers prayer. That God forgives sins. A third thing I want to show you in this passage is that God has authority. God has authority. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 27. And again they came to Jerusalem. So they went from Bethany to Jerusalem. And as he, Jesus, was walking in the temple. So now we have the location. They're in the temple. Remember what he just did to the temple? Yesterday, he chased out all the money changers the day before. And he came back the next day to come to the temple. So as he comes to the temple, there came to him the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. Now these are the people that thought it was their responsibility to protect the religion. It was their self-appointed job to be the custodians of Judaism. And so they approach Jesus. Notice what they talk to him about, verse 28. And they say unto him, But what by what authority do, dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? What things? What things? What, what did he do to the day before? He chased out the money changers. What authority did you chase all those people out? By what authority? Who gave you the right? To get rid of all those people from the temple. From God's house. Who put you in charge? What did he do the day before that? He rode into Jerusalem upon a donkey. And the people shouted Hosanna to our king. This is the Messiah. He was the fulfillment of prophecy. By what authority do you do that? By who sent you? Who gave you the right to pretend you're the Messiah? Who gave you the right to allow people to pronounce you king? Those are legitimate questions in their eyes. 
They're hateful. Now Jesus is going to bring up John the Baptist in a second. And I want to remind you that they hated John the Baptist. They hated him. And they hated Jesus. The problem is, is that Jesus can wilt trees in just a word. That's someone you probably don't want to mess with too, too horribly bad. And so they hate him, but they're trying to be careful with him. And so they just ask him, by what authority? Who gave you the right to do all these things? Who told you you could teach like that? That doesn't match our religion. It doesn't match what we teach in school. It doesn't match. Who gave you the right? So Jesus says, all right, that's a good question. How about this? Verse 29. And Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask of you one question. And answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. He says, that's fair. I'll tell you what authority I do these things if you ask a question, answer my question first. So here's the question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. He says, all right, John the Baptist, by what authority did he do things? Did he baptize in the river? Did he do it because God told him to do it? Or did he do it because he thought this is what he should do and he just made it up himself? And so here's the people, they get the question. And they already hate John the Baptist. So they all gather together. Now, in my mind, this is how it is. They get the football huddled on. So they all get together and they all put their arms around and they're all talking. You can almost see the camera looking up as they're at their faces as they're all huddled over and they're trying to say, what do we tell him? What do we answer him? So this is what they talk among themselves. Verse 31. And they reason with themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why did you not then believe him? But if we say of men... They feared the people, for all the men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. So now they're in a conundrum. Jesus called them out. Hey, did Jesus, did John the Baptist, was he sent from God? Or did he just make everything up? And they, they're, they're in a problem. Because if they say, yep, God sent him, then Jesus is going to say, why didn't you listen to him? Why didn't you obey him? Why didn't you listen to his message? And they said, we can't do that. Because, you know, we don't want to follow his message, so we can't admit that he's the correct messenger. But if we say that John's a fraud, the people really love John, and we're afraid that they're going to take us out, and they're going to take us behind the woodshed, and they're going to kill us, and kick us, and get rid of us, and we don't want that. So they came up with their compromise. Our answer to your question, Jesus, is we're not going to give you an answer. Okay, good politicians. And verse 32, um, verse 33, And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answered and saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what thing, by what authority I do these things. Now why didn't Jesus answer them? Because they had already made up in their mind that we're going to listen to Jesus no matter what. They already come to the place, they're already planning on killing him. In four short days, they're going to kill him. Less than that now. Just a couple days, they're going to kill him. They've already decided. They're already looking for something. They already have plans. They're not changing their mind because Jesus asked them a question. They've already decided. So Jesus is just not playing with them. He's not answering their question, not dealing with them. The Bible says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. The Bible says, don't cast your pearls before the swine. He says, I'm just not going to deal with them. If they don't want to answer a question, fine. They're not going to listen anyways. But what we learn from this and the idea of prayer is that God has authority. With God, all things are possible. 
if we pray and God moves that mountain, by what authority does he have to move that mountain? He made the mountain. He created it. He's the God of the universe. He has every authority and every ability. You know this helps us? Because we may look at someone and say they're never going to change. I've watched these circumstances. I've watched these things. And they will never, ever change. And we can give up on people. But you know, God, we may not be able to trust people, but we can trust God. They may never change, but God can change them. God can do something. God can intervene. We can trust God when we can't trust people. We can even trust God with authority. You say, I don't trust my authority. Yeah, but can you cheat and talk to your God who's their authority and let God change their hearts and God change them? Yes. Sometimes that's the obstacle. Can you trust God? God is bigger than any mountain. He is bigger than any person. He is bigger than any foe. He is bigger than any obstacle. We serve a big God who is able. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I want to encourage you that everything is possible. Can God use this church? Yes. You say, well, I look at men in here or ladies in here and say it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The greatest days of this church are still ahead. And God can get it done. We look at our society today and say, nothing can be done. We're getting at the place where I'm hearing preachers and people say, revival can't happen. There is no hope. As long as we look at these people, yes, there's no hope. But with God, all things are possible. But we see our part in this. We need to be at the place where we approach God in a humble Christ-like spirit, following the rules of prayer, and we could exercise faith and watch God work. This is the key here. This is what God is talking about. It's not the idea that, oh, God said all things are possible and whatsoever things I desire, I want a red Lamborghini. It doesn't work that way. But it's going to God in a humble fashion saying, I recognize that you are God and I am not. And I recognize that you can do this. You could remove this obstacle. You can change these things. You can get it done. And Lord, the best I know how, I've been forgiving people and I've been trying and I'm going to you saying, I'm not worthy, but you are. Lord, don't do it because of me. Do it in spite of me. And trust in him. With God all things are possible. And so let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, who do you have an ought against? Nothing that afterwards matters unless you get that taken care of. Are you frustrated with a people or a group of people? Are you frustrated with someone on the news? Are you frustrated with someone in your personal life? Are you frustrated with someone you work with, someone you live with? You need to get that forgiven. You need to get that taken care of. You need to work on your own heart. That needs to be fixed first. Then once that's fixed and you say, I, the best I know how, 
I think I don't have an ought against anyone. I've searched my heart. I've asked God to reveal anything. That's the cleansing process to making sure that there's no ought. You know, you'd be surprised of how much unforgiveness we actually have. Things we don't even realize that we're bitter against until we get slapped into them. That's why we need the spotlight of God's Holy Spirit to show us. And say, I didn't even know I had bitterness against that. I've worked with people that they said, I didn't know I had bitterness towards mom for 30 years. It needs to be, it's hidden. That's why they call it the root of bitterness. It's buried and it needs to be plucked out. And we needs to be exposed. That could be a great hindrance of our faith because it's dried up. But once that's taken care of, what is that mountain that you're looking at that you say, I need to get moved? Well, I know that God wants me on the other side there, but this is in the way. This is hindering it. This is preventing me from following what God has given me to do. And I need it moved. What is it that you could ask God by faith? What is that impossible prayer that you could rely on God? Understand that God can do it. Do you believe it? Do you trust him? Now again, that's something you have to answer when you're praying. Do you actually believe that God can do that? Can God get it accomplished? And if you're in your heart, you're saying, uh, we need a search. But with God, all things are possible. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.